Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With Audiohook.com, you can do just that. Audiohook is the premier podcast advertising platform, connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz, coming fresh off of a week one victory for the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, we, we did our recap last time, but that means that now we get to look ahead and for an exciting week two for the Kansas Jayhawks. They are playing none other than the West Virginia Mountaineers coming from the Big 12 Conference. It's an early conference game for the second year in a row for the Jayhawks. Hopefully this one goes a little bit better for them than the last one did when they got absolutely stomped by Baylor. But here to help me figure out what to expect from this West Virginia team and how this game might go. It is none other than Brandon Phoenix. I also hate Pitt over on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, you know, one half of the raspy voice kids here on the 1012 podcast network. Brandon, how you doing today? It's a good day. The sun is shining. I thought the world would end after the last Thursday night, but it didn't. The sun came up. It's come up every day since and I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, it was a definitely a rough way to start the year. Of course, it was the first Big 12 game of the entire year as well, with no Big 12 teams playing in Week 0. And so I was hyped up for that one. I thought it was a really good game. You know, you saw the energy, you saw the intensity. Um, there was some some 
questionable decisions being outside of West Virginia that I that I kind of had to wonder about. But I also don't want to make you rehash something that might be super painful in talking about that loss to Pitt. So instead, let's rather than talking about specific things in the game, let's just leave it at this. What did you learn in week one that you didn't know before the season that you think is going to be helpful moving forward? What did I learn that I didn't know? Well, I didn't know that JT Daniels had the moxie that he has. Like, I knew he was an accurate quarterback. I knew he had the pedigree. I didn't know he was as tough as he is. He stayed in the pocket. He absorbed hits, and he made plays regardless of what was going to happen to him. And he's a leader. He he shook off some early miscues, um, some trouble with the snap, and did his thing. He delivered the ball on time, in place. JT Daniels is a guy. He's a guy. Another thing I did not know but was hoping to see was that we could run the ball. We ran for 190 yards against the vaunted pit defensive line. 117 of those or 127 of those, something one or the other came from CJ Donaldson, a true freshman who came over from the tight end position to play running back for WVU just a few weeks ago. Did not see that coming. Heard good things about him, but had no idea he would go off for 18 yards per carry. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Coach Neil Brown said in his presser on Tuesday that he wishes he would have used him a little bit more having watched the tape back. And I feel like every Mountaineer fan watching the game felt immediately like, why is that guy not touching the ball more? Um, well, and, and that kind of leads me into my big like question about that game, right? Because the running game was extremely efficient. It was doing really well. And I understand that you might, you know, like, you want to get JT Daniels going. But prior to that, I mean, he had what had been having a pretty good game. You know, it was a, roughly 200 yards, had two touchdowns. And then while the pick that got thrown wasn't his fault, right? It bounced off the receiver's hand right into the pit player's lap. Um, like, it seemed like they consciously, with five so minutes left, where you had time to drive down, get a final score, and put the game away, went away from the running game that had been going so well for them. Like you talked about, C.J. Donaldson, just absolutely electric. Like, do you do you know or do you have any insight into why they would have potentially gone away from that? And is that something you have to worry about? Maybe, you know, the the situational, making sure that we're actually, you know, taking into account what's happening in the game when we're trying to finish the game plan out. Well, it's all new for us with Graham Harrell at the helm. So it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say because it was a rivalry game. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of intensity. You're not going to have the same look every time you go out and play a football game. And I often say each game is its own. So I try not to get too high or too low based on results or decisions. That said, I would have liked to see C.J. Donaldson a lot more at the end of that game. And specifically on that fourth and inches in the fourth quarter with under seven minutes to go with a 31 to 24 lead. And they didn't do that. They punted the ball. They didn't have him in late in the game for whatever reason. You would guess because they were worried about pass protection. But if I'm reading what you're saying and feeling the way that I feel, running the ball should have been part of your equation, a large part of your equation. And CJ Donaldson should have been getting touches. 
averaging 18 yards of carry once again. Yeah, um, it's, it's, so, it's just one of those things, right, when you're not that far behind and with a decent amount of time, like, they were driving down to try to tie it. You don't take away a big portion of your of your game plan, which is that running game, because it had been so effective. And so I was definitely very curious about that. Um, kind of to your point, though, about it being brand new under Graham Harrell, I wonder how much he was aware of that sort of stuff happening Um you know, like in terms of players you weren't necessarily expecting to go off, just completely going off and having to, to get back to the game plan. I, I don't even know if it was necessarily pass protection. Just from watching it, it seemed it seemed more like they found this new weapon but didn't have a plan to pivot to take advantage of him in this game. Like, I think moving forward, they, they better have something to do with C.J. Donaldson moving forward. But, um, yeah, it'll be very interesting, I think, to see how they do that and how they're able to adapt from one week to the next. Yep, Big 12 Newcomer of the Week has got to get touches. Yeah, for sure. Like, so so talking about that, you know, both of our teams obviously had a Big 12 uh, Player of the Week honor with Kansas getting Lonnie Phelps as the Defensive Player of the Week and C.J. Donaldson getting the Newcomer of the Week for West Virginia. Um, were you Were you surprised to have, you know, those sorts of performances up front. One, obviously Kansas is, I, I think I was a little bit surprised that we had a defensive player of the week, but um, like, are you expecting these sorts of things from the players that you do have there? Like was, was this an expectation, right? That you'd be in the, in the running for these types of player of the week honors every week. Well, with Dante Stills, a super senior. Yeah. Dante Stills had the best game of his career against Pitt and the biggest game of his career. He had the best game of his career. So we're expecting stuff out of Dante stills charles woods preseason all big 12 expect big things out of him of course he got injured early in that game so you didn't see it but jt daniels former five star seven and oh you know great touchdown interception ratio at georgia i expect him to come out and play well and get these kinds of honors and accolades in the big 12 so yeah i think there are guys bryce ford wheaton had that terrible terrible drop terrible drop i tweeted I tweeted without saying his name. I don't care what you've done. You can't do that when that drop happened. But that said, I wrote I said, wrote those words because he had crucial, crucial plays that kept us in that game, put us in that game to begin with. Um, so Bryce Ford Wheaton has shown his pedigree as well. I do expect us to have guys on this list week in and week out. I do. Yeah, which, which is completely fair, especially when you're expecting to take the step forward that a lot of West Virginia fans are expecting for this year. So to kind of put a bow on this, how do you think the results you guys got in this game against Pitt is going to affect West Virginia moving forward? Is it one of those things? And and obviously there's still a lot to be seen, right? But like in terms of the, the right frame of mind for the team or like looking forward, um, w- would you have worried more? About, well, no, no, no. I'm not going to say that because, of course, you always want to win the game no matter what happens later. But are, are you worried about the potential of the way that this game ended bleeding into the next couple of weeks as they try to get prepared for things? I would typically. But this team sounds very different. Immediately for the post-game press conference, JT Daniel sounds like a leader. He's a guy who's got a lot of experience, even though he's been injured. He's a guy who's been in multiple systems, who's shown leadership capability, doesn't sound like the kind of guy who's going to allow us to, to have a letdown in our first conference game against a, a worthy opponent in Kansas. Dante Stills, again, super senior, same sort of thing. Not the kind of guy who's going to let these guys allow Pitt to beat us twice, which is essentially what would happen if we go in flat. Not saying Kansas can't beat us, but to not be prepared, not to be focused, not to be up. 
I don't expect us to be up for this game the way that we were up for a once in eleven year game against Pitt. It's Fair. hard to, to it's I mean, how can you mimic that environment? How can you mimic that story, that tradition, that rivalry? It, you can't do it. But you can get back to business. And from everything I've seen and heard from insiders, from players themselves, it sounds like those guys are ready to get back to business and they understand the implications of this game. Yeah, I think the one thing you guys will have going for you is that it is going to be the first home game of the year. So you will have the opportunity to be hyped up for that, for, you know, that first look at home. It's going to be a night game. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes into, I think, making that a very good experience for you guys. Um, like you said, like I definitely agree that while Kansas has an opportunity to win this game, and, and I wouldn't say that if Kansas wins a game, it doesn't automatically mean that that Pitt was like a you know carryover or anything like that. Especially with what we saw for the first week, there are a lot of things that could happen, you know, that we don't really know how exactly it's going to work. Um, that that could lead to a Kansas win. Not that I would necessarily you know be be scared that it's going to happen or anything like that. But just because the result doesn't necessarily go the way that you're thinking. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was because they have a huge hangover here from from this pit game. So um, kind of getting ready for that or kind of looking ahead to that, what kind of things specifically are you looking for from this team that they need to to show you in this week coming up to, to so that you can be, I, I guess, feel that the pit game hasn't really caused the problem? I want to see... I want to see them go to Bryce Ford Wheaton early to reestablish his confidence, to reestablish the trust, to show the nation, Mountaineer Nation, that they that they trust this guy and that he's earned it. I want to see a heavy dose of CJ Donaldson. I want to see that the game plan is understood. We can run the ball. We should run the ball. You run for almost 200 yards against a vaunted defense, then we should continue that, take the pressure off of JT Daniels and allow him to do his thing in spots as opposed to um, being carrying it all on his shoulders. And JT Daniels managed the game, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but in a way that he's the kind of guy who doesn't have to be in a rhythm to be successful. He can go out and play ball and deliver the ball and be successful on his own merit without having to have, you know, 12 throws in a row. I want to see that offensive line protect him because we ran the ball well, but we gave up several hurries, even though we only had three sacks. Two of those sacks came on the last drive, which was very crucial. So I'm curious to see what this offensive line does. A little banged up some with a couple of players. Um, but I, I'm curious to see what they do in, in those areas as far as the season goes moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of questions that can be answered um, just by seeing how this team comes out pretty early. Like, I, I think that's kind of the biggest question um, and where things snowballed last year for a lot of different teams that ended up having disappointing years was they had so, a little bit of adversity and then you could tell the next game it was still affecting them really early because they weren't doing the things that you you know would think that they would want to try to do. The, they kind of tightened up in the game plan, all that sort of stuff. So I'll be interested to see how free West Virginia looks when they're coming out, whether they're playing with that reckless abandon of, hey, we know we're going to go in and make a big hit. We're just going to go do it. We're not going to worry so much about, hey, is this guy maybe going to be able to cut back or something like that? Because, you know, if... It, they have enough guys on this West Virginia defense, I think, that they can 
they can overcome if a guy, you know, misses on a tackle, but he does it in a position that he's supposed to because there's going to be another guy there to help clean it up. Like, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of what Kansas did this last week was they were right smack dab there in the trenches and they made a guy miss on a very, you know, very, uh, I guess, straightforward tackle. And the guy that was supposed to be right next to him just wasn't there. Um, and, and so, like, I, I think West Virginia fe- should feel confident enough that as long as people are playing their posi- their assignments where they're supposed to be, that if one guy doesn't get him really early in a play, there's going to be a guy there to clean him up. The trouble is West Virginia's secondary did not play that way last week. And that, and that the drive to tie the game for Pitt, we missed a lot of tackles. A lot of tackles. We missed a lot of tackles all game. And then you add to that Charles Woods is going to be out, almost certainly, uh, even though he's listed as a starter, don't be fooled by that. He's almost certainly going to be out. He was in a boot on the sideline last Thursday. And then you've got McCormick, who got a targeting foul in the second half, which means he's going to miss the first half against Kansas. So there's two starting cornerbacks out. Secondary is suspect. I know Kansas did a lot of running last week, but when you have a, when you have a secondary the suspect, it might change your game plan a little bit. No, and, that, and that's definitely true. Um, I do think it probably helps at least somewhat right that Kansas was so run heavy in their first game um however they weren't afraid to to take those shots deep so we'll see how well Kansas is able to identify that against West Virginia so I do want to go ahead and shift more towards the actual preview of the game and talking about these specific matchups but before we do that I need to throw it to a quick break we'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast I'm Sam and I co-host the Scott Holm podcast the known universe's first Houston Cougar Sports Podcast. Every week, even during the offseason, my co-host Dustin and I come on and talk everything current as it relates to the Cougs, and every so often, we'll bring on UH luminaries like Carl Lewis, Kellen Sampson, and a number of other fantastic Cougar voices, and as proud members of the 1012 Network, we also find the time to talk about our future conference and future opponents in the Big 12 as well. If all of that sounds even a little bit interesting to you, we would love it if you subscribe to the Scott Holm Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere else you put podcasts in your ears. That's podcast spelled P-A-W-D cast because the two of us hosting the show are nothing if not big dorks. So thank you and go Cougs. And we're back. I'm here with Brandon Phoenix, one half of the Raspy Voice Kids here on the 1012 Podcast Network. We are covering this West Virginia-Kansas game, um, doing a little bit earlier in the week than we normally would. So some of the stuff, um, you know, that's out here, I don't necessarily have the way that I would like to have it. But we still have plenty of great information about this this game, about this matchup. And, of course, uh, we just got done, you know, breaking down all of the stuff that happened last week and got started talking about this game. But I want to dive in all the way because what we saw from JT Daniels um, you know it seemed like you said he had a lot of poise he had a lot of uh, I, I guess he did a lot to find the spots where he needed to be um, I don't I don't know if you actually got a chance to watch any of what Kansas did last week but you know with with a with a much deeper defense that is in their spots more often you know for example OJ Burroughs um, was made a nice open field tackle to save a touchdown on, on a guy that had broken away from everybody that he should, you know, that he should have had. There seems to be a little bit more awareness based off of the way that these teams played the end of last year um, and going into this year. How confident are you that JT Daniels is going to be able to take advantage of any potential holes there might be in this Kansas defense? I like the matchups for our receivers size-wise. We got a big receiving core with Caden Prather. Bryce Ford Wheaton, the shortest being Sam James at six feet. I mean, well, Reese Smith, but 
your your big three. You got a good size receiving core. And they did a good job as far as getting open against Pitt for the most part. The problem is they did not always catch the football. JT Daniels is going to put the ball in the money. So I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about whether the receivers will help him to take advantage of what what mismatches there might exist in that Kansas secondary. We'll see. I'm not worried about JT Daniels at all, though. I think he's I think he's going to be money. Speaking of money, you can save a whole bunch of money and find some absolutely fantastic stuff to be repping your team if you go to sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel has the most com- comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. Over 135 different schools. Again, I keep up in the number a little bit here and there, and, and eventually we'll find out what the actual number is. But they have so many different schools available. Absolutely fantastic logos. Super comfortable. Um, look, it, I have way too much stuff, and I want more. I always want more. But for those of you guys that want to be wearing your home field all the time but can't always be wearing a nice fantastic logo they have now come out with the core collection which is just their super comfortable shirts sweaters those sorts of things without any logos on them so you can still be rocking the home field you can still be enjoying it um, and enjoying all that great comfort that they have without the logos that you may not necessarily be able to wear at all occasions so you can go over to homefieldapparel.com use promo code chalk 12 get 15 percent off your entire first order whether that's the core collection or it is the you know great stuff that they have whether it's west Virginia or Kansas or anyone else in the Big 12 or pretty much any of those other ridiculously awesome logos that come from all of the history of college sports. So homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Brandon. So looking at this game specifically, like Kansas showed a lot in their in their first game here. West Virginia, I think, also showed a lot in their first game. But looking specifically, uh, West Virginia offense versus Kansas defense, right? Um, Is it fair to say that West Virginia is still a run-first team? It was clear they wanted to establish the run. It's clear that they wanted to establish the run. But Graham Harrell's still an air raid guy. He said he's going to get kicked out of the air raid system because of how much he runs the ball. I don't know that I would call them run-first. I think he's more of a balanced offense. Okay. Um, I mean, so so looking then at the guys that you are expecting to really contribute here, because we did obviously talk about, you know, C.J. Donaldson jumping on in a big way. I would expect him to be a bigger part of the game plan. But Tony Mathis, like he he averaged 4.2 yards a carry, you know, 17 carries for 71 yards. It wasn't a, a phenomenal game for him, but I think it was still fairly productive. Um, do you think are you are you more worried about? the ability of Mathis to be able to have the big games that you're expecting from him or more happy that you have multiple options and one of them can go off in any particular game? I'm more happy with the multiple options, but Donaldson has it. Like, it's one game, but he has it. It wasn't busted plays. It wasn't crazy moves. It was one cut and go, reading what he's supposed to read and making the play, which is a big deal for a guy who's only been in the position for a few weeks. Tony Mathis danced way too much, but he still averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Like you said, Justin Johnson has the explosive possibilities. Didn't really get to show it a whole lot against Pitt, but I do like the stable that we have back there. I just know that C.J. Donalds is the best running back. Yeah, he passes the eye test. He's got to be the guy. Even if he doesn't start, he's got to get the bulk of the carries, especially after Neil Brown acknowledged that C.J. Donaldson picked up blitz packages the way you're supposed to. His blocking assignments were on point. So 
we got to see CJ Donaldson. That's what I'm most looking forward to. So, so speaking of blocking, um, obviously the, this offensive line has had some issues in the past. Um, it seemed to me from what I saw, like I, I didn't notice a lot of issues with um, with the offensive line for West Virginia just completely blowing assignments. There were definitely times where they got beat. There was definitely times where Pitt was able to get to uh, to JT Daniels. But overall, how would you have evaluated the offensive line so far? And and is there anything that's worrying you about the games coming up? I'd give them a B minus. Their run, their running, their run blocking was excellent, especially their zone blocking. Excellent. But pass protection was not great, especially at left tackle. Wyatt Milam did not have a good game. And part of that's because he's playing against two stellar defensive ends. But the other part is just because he didn't play well. And he's got to clean that up. I know he can play better football than he played on Thursday. Um, He's not the only one, but he was the most glaring problem. I Like I said, the end, the last drive gave up two sacks, two crucial sacks, important situations. I'm curious to see what they'll do when they're tired. And this Kansas game is not going to be a blowout. I don't care that the line started at 16 and a half. The most recent one I saw was 13. I don't even buy that those numbers. I think the game's going to be much closer than that. I'm curious to see what happens when the game's on the line, when people are tired, when you have to run or when you have to make a protection. I'm very curious about that. Yeah, I, I will agree. I was a little surprised that it came out at a, you know, a 13 point line. By the time I saw it, I think it was 13 and a half. So starting way up at 17, um, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just kind of built into the preseason projections of what people were expecting and not really quite knowing how to handle, you know, a Kansas, a Kansas team that is finally doing what a power five team should do, which, which is completely blow out an FCS opponent. Um and so it'll be interesting, I think, to see how these two teams attack this. I would be, I would not be shocked at all, you know, if this was if this was a three point game by the end. Like I, I, I would be more surprised if it's a a fourteen point game than if it was a three point game. Like I, I, I think that these teams are very, very well matched. They, you know, I think their strengths match up pretty well together. And so it's just going to be a matter of who actually gets the most. Um, you know, the the most good plays that are going to kind of push them ahead. The real question, though, on West Virginia, you know, offensively, just, just final question here on the offense, looking at the wide receivers, because Kansas didn't really get challenged too much deep, um, didn't really get challenged too much by a team in Tennessee Tech that just couldn't handle the, the defensive line pressure that they were bringing. So I, I feel like West Virginia is probably going to handle that a little bit better, which means they're going to have the opportunity to go downfield. Um, were you happy with the, the, I guess, the deep threats that you saw um, from West Virginia's offense? Like, were, were you happy with the way that they played downfield? Yeah. The, the, J.G. Daniels' deep ball, Bryce Ford Wheaton said it's the prettiest he's ever seen, and he's seen several quarterbacks. They look good to me. One play was Bryce Ford Wheaton early in the early in the game, Bryce Ford Wheaton being held, almost pulled down. Otherwise, it would have been a completion, possibly a touchdown. Um, and the other one's were some of them were fades that ended up touchdowns in the end zone. Uh, I I think that that connection is going to be good all year, deep ball or otherwise. How much they go to that, I think, will depend in large part on how Kansas decides to play the game. If I'm Kansas, I double Bryce Ford Wheaton and say, one of you other guys is going to have to beat us. Caden Prather, you're going to have to prove to me you're going to catch the ball, you're not going to fumble the ball. Same thing, Sam James. You're going to have to prove to me you're going to catch the ball. And you're going to have to prove to me that you're going to be 
dangerous yards per, yards after the catch. So far, those guys haven't proven that. Michael Laughlin, that tight end, hasn't proven that. And I would make Bryce Ford Wheaton beat the double team if I was Kansas. And then we'll see what, what Graham Harrell and the guys come up with. Yeah, I, I am kind of surprised, though, or I guess more curious. You know, I was looking through uh, Pro Football Focus uh, player rankings and, and grades, and I was a little surprised to see the West Virginia tackles as far down as they actually end up being. Are, are Is there a concern about tackle this year, or is it kind of just a thing where coming out of one game, you just, you know, don't don't rate very well coming out of one game against a pretty good opponent in Pitt? There was not supposed to be any question. I said in a tweet weeks ago, if this offensive line is not dominant, Matt Moore, the offensive line coach, needs fire. You have all five guys coming back. You have multiple four stars on the offensive line. You have a you have an All-American and Zach Frazier on the offensive line. These guys have the talent. It's it's the scheme, it's the coaching if they're not dominant. They were not dominant pass blocking against Pitt. Now, part of that is because Pitt is really good on that defensive line. So I'm going to withhold judgment and let let me see a body of work. I'm not going to just pass judgment in one game. I need to see a body of work. The trouble is the Big 12 is full of really good defensive lines. So it's not like we're going to get a break. It's not like we're going to get a bunch of cupcakes. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, like – they did not rate out very well, which is not a good thing. But again, I, I do think at least part of that is who they played against. I think Pitt typically has some pretty good defensive line pressure. Although, based off of the way that they, you know, were were playing and what we saw from Kansas, the fact and, and let's let's go. Well, I guess final final question here on this side of the ball. Then we'll jump over to the other one. Um, you know, Kansas showed the ability to bring a lot of defensive line pressure with a lot of different guys. I think I, I was looking at it. I believe they had a total of 10 different guys that rotated in on their defensive line throughout the course of the game that recorded a stat. Um, so, like, how much worry is there that with a defensive line that can throw so many bodies at your offensive line that they wear down, you know, when you get into the second half and then that causes problems trying to close out games? That's exactly what I was saying earlier. I'm curious about when it matters at the end of the game, when you need to protect JT Daniels for a throw on third and medium or third and long, when you need to get short yardage situations with CJ Donaldson, with Tony Mathis, with Justin Johnson, then can you do your job when you're tired? We're only rotating seven, and one of those guys in, is hurt. White is hurt. Um, he's. We're not sure whether he's going to play or how much he's going to play, so that limits what you can do. But especially if you're having that many guys thrown at you in rotations, it makes a huge difference. We'll yeah. see. All right. So so let's jump over to the other side of the ball um, when Kansas is on offense, because I, I think my biggest question for West Virginia coming into the year was the defense, right, with so many different guys that were kind of moving back and forth. Um, you know, Kansas showed not just the depth at the defensive line position, but also at the running back position where they had a insanely large number of guys that were running the ball. They had five rushing touchdowns that all came from different players. You know, they have basically, if, if, if you look at their depth chart, the running back position is four starters that are all listed because they won't actually pick one. And all four of those guys actually had a huge portion in what happened. 
you know, in the game. Um, they all they all play. They all played consistently. They all got some big plays in what they did. So how much of a worry is there when you have a team that has that many options at a single position? Now, granted, the wide receiver still has a whole bunch of questions. So that kind of limits, I think, somewhat the scope of what Kansas will do offensively. But when you have so many different guys who have so many different running styles, how difficult does it make it for a team like West Virginia, where the strength of their defense for so long has been the defensive line? You guys ran for, what, 279 yards last game? I believe that was the number. I don't actually have it on hand, but I will grab it really quick, yes. <laughs> so that grabs your attention immediately. When somebody when the team runs for that, that number, I don't care who you're playing, who your opponent is, that grabs your attention. So obviously you have our attention, and you're going to have Jordan Leslie's attention. You're going to have that defensive line's attention. But I like what West Virginia did. They held that pit rushing attack to 1.9 yards per carry. I will say that a lot of that was aided by the sacks that they had, and they had five sacks on Keaton Slovis. So if you take the sacks out, it was more like a three-yard per carry average, which is still manageable. It's right. still respectable. Pitt, Pitt would tell you they went three to four deep at their running back position prior to that game. And really, Hammond was the only guy that was effective against our team, and even he only had 74 yards rushing. So I'm not terribly afraid of Kansas's running attack. Not saying it's not to be expected. It's just that I think that it's manageable for for this front, for our for our front seven. Yeah, and and that's fair. Like I, I think that there are plenty of good running games in the Big 12 that everybody's going to have at least an answer for how to address it. Oh, always the question is just the execution of how well does it actually work out. Um, and so, yeah. like, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily... I, I guess I'm more wonder, wondering if there's any kind of special... Um, you know, way that you have to kind of prepare for that or the way that you as a fan looks at it and worries about it when you have so many different guys that do so many different things. Because a lot of times when you have a deep running back room, it's because you have four, you know, three or four guys that all do a similar sort of thing. So you can just plug and play whichever one you want. Kansas has four guys that all have completely different strengths. Daniel Highshaw being your power back who just runs over people. Devin Neal with the ability, you know, kind of like to cut and then burn you. Um, you know, and then you've got like Sevian Morrison and, and Kai Thomas, who are more of a hybrid type back where you can do a couple different things with them. Like Kansas can do so many different things depending on who is out there. And to add another wrinkle to it, very first play from, you know, from uh, or the, the very first offensive play that Kansas ran, they had three running backs on the field all at the same time. And so it's just like, I, I I think it makes it interesting to figure out how they're going to address it. Obviously, I don't have the answers. I, I'll be very interested. I think that's the thing that I'm like the most interested in, right, is, is can Kansas be varied enough in just their rushing attack to be able to get success, or are they going to have to have huge contributions from the wide receivers? Um, you know, you did talk about the secondary kind of being an issue for West Virginia. That was in the in the preview, and then also come kind of what we talked about from last time. Um, you know, Kansas has again, they had quite a few receivers who actually got a reception, but nobody that I would say like really went off. You know, like Quentin Skinner had 56 yards, but that was all on one single reception. You know, Lawrence Arnold had four or four catches for 56 yards. So, um, is it? Is it better to go up against a team, or I guess with with the concerns you have about the defensive secondary for West Virginia, are are you more more worried about them facing up a team who has a lot of wide receivers who are very similar in terms of production, and so the attack could pretty much go from anywhere, or would you be much more worried if there was like a stud wide receiver that you know it's going to every time, but he's able to make a play most of the time? I'm worried about completions <laughs> you don't really care and you're, you're I, just worried about <laughs> whatever i mean we've played against larry fitzgerald we played against randy moss we played against 
Calvin Johnston. I've seen us play against studs and just get toasted and win the game. And then I've seen us play against teams who can spread it out and beat you with three or four different receivers from the slot to the wide out to the X to the Y to the Z from all kinds of positions. It's really hard to say. It just changes what you do defensively. When you have a stud, you can key on him. You can bracket him. You can do all kinds of things to put him in a position to not be successful. When you have multiple receivers that can be successful, then it really puts a strain on your defense because everybody has to be sound. There's no plays off. But the front seven will have a lot to say about that. The better pressure you get, the more effective your secondary is. So we'll see. All right. So final bit here, rather than do just a normal you know, prediction of what we think is going to happen, because I think we both kind of talked about it. We could see a lot of different things happening. Um, going to jump over and do the the newest segment we have here on the podcast which is to work with our sponsor um prize picks brand new sponsor that we have here for the uh you know for the rock chalk podcast here this year where you actually can go prizepicks.com they have daily or you know, like individual game i guess prop bets or you know basically fantasy games where you go and you look at individual players um and you pick two to five players, do an over-under on projections for what their stats are going to be in a particular game, mash all those together, and it determines what kind of possibility you have to win. So it's a bunch of little tiny mini contests. It's an easy legal way to play daily fantasy. It is available in in most states um, in the U.S. right now. So if you go over to pricepicks.com, you use promo code CHOCK12, you can get a 100% instant deposit match up to your first $100 when you use that promo code. So, But looking at the picks that they have, because... They have, they actually have this game up. I, I was afraid with how early in the week we're actually recording this that they wouldn't have it up yet. But Kansas, West Virginia, it's like they read my mind. They knew we were going to be doing this. So looking at what we have here, um, I'm going to go through some of the, some of the different lines and you let me know. I, I, either you can go, you know, over, under on each one really quick, or you can give me one that you think is, is one that you would actually be really comfortable in. So they have JT Daniels passing yards 255 and a half. And they have Jalen Daniels for Kansas passing yards 200.5. Do either of those jump out to you as a, like a really strong one way or another? I think they're both going to go over. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> like, I, I think that this is a game that matches up as a, you know, running back heavy type of game. And it's going to turn into both teams are ready for that. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be completely out of left field. Whoever passes more wins. So, um, but let's look. Okay. So then really quick rushing yards. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and grab the, the highest one for each. Actually, they have Tony Mathis at 75 and a half. Um, and Devin Neal at 50 and a half. I'm a little surprised with those numbers, just given the way everything did and how well CJ Donaldson, I would have thought that they would have gone with CJ Donaldson's rushing number here and made it probably a little bit higher, but do you, do you think Tony Mathis, Tony Mathis is listed as the starter. I'm going to go fair. under for Tony Mathis. I, I agree. I think it's going to be under for Mathis and over for Devin Neal, just because I, I wouldn't be shocked if Devin Neal rips off a 60 yarder in a single play. And then he either could you know continue or he could have a really, a really, really tough one. So um, receiving yards, we'll just, I'll just grab one from each. We have uh, Bryce Wheaton with 70.5 receiving yards. And uh, it looks like they don't actually have a Jayhawk up here yet. And honestly, I'm not surprised because it's going to be really difficult, I think, to pick a Jayhawk. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going to go um, over for Bryce Ford Wheaton. 
I think that's a that's a pretty good bet on my end as well. So they have a ton more from this game, um, West Virginia versus Kansas, and they will have it for pretty much every other game that you guys can get. It's all games between Division One teams. They will have stuff for. So head on over to pricepicks.com, use that promo code CHOCK12 when you're signing up and making a deposit, and get that instant match, and you can also enjoy all of the 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 picks that you can make on these particular games. So, all right, that is going to do it for us today. Brandon, really quick, where can everybody find your work online? Raspy Voice Kids everywhere. It's raspyvoicekids.net. We don't do a lot with our website, so don't judge us when you get there. Raspy Voice Kids on Twitter, Raspy Voice Kids on Instagram, Raspy Voice Kids on Facebook. We are Raspy Voice Kids everywhere, and I am I also hate Pitt, because no matter what you know about me, you need to know I also hate Pitt. So get at your boy. Nothing has changed. We love y'all, and we want you to love us. Yeah, yeah, no, I love working with you guys. So glad to have you guys out over here on the network. Um, you know, if you guys haven't, make sure you go over there and follow what they're doing. They do absolutely fantastic work. Uh, been super happy to have them on the network the entire time. And of course, if you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast and subscribe to the Rock Chalk podcast so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you're not able to do that, Recording just stopped. let us know what... If for whatever reason you're not able to do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, we are part of the 1012 Podcast Network. You can find all of the great shows, including the Raspy Voice Kids and you know all the other shows we have covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference at 1012network.com. Uh, you can also find us over on the Sports Drink app uh, and, and sportsdrink.org. We are part of that network as now, now as well. So um, make sure you guys visit our great sponsors. We have Home Field Apparel. And we also have prize picks. They have, they're doing some great things there. I really, really appreciate if you guys would help us out by going out and visiting them and, and, and working with them. So, but that is going to do it for us today. Um, make sure, or thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and you are listening live to the one, the only, Tortillas and Takes podcast. From football to softball to track and field, tune in to get the best coverage in everything that is Texas Tech. Not only that, but find out what unsuspecting star we get to interview and put on the hot seat. Whether you like corn or flour, eating them or throwing them, this tortilla is for you. So listen to Tortillas and Takes. And as always, stay wrecked, people.